Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's continue with Ernest J. Gaines and A Gathering of Old Men. This is segment 13, and it's called Jacques Thibodeau, a.k.a. T-Jack. He comes in just before sundown every day for his two Jack Daniels on the rocks. He talks sometimes, most times he's quiet and moody. The rest of the customers, no matter how long they've known him, won't start a conversation unless he unless he speaks first. He has his own place in the corner by the cigarette machine. From that corner, he can look at the door where the nigger room used to be. He took that spot years ago so he could tell them when one of his niggers came into the nigger room and he would nod for me to go serve him something, some beer, wine, whatever he wanted. Well, the nigger room's been closed now some 15, 17 years. Happened when all that desegregation crap was going on. Niggers didn't want to be segregated no more, so they stopped going in there. They would come to the store now and get their bottle and go squat against the wall outside to drink it, but they wouldn't go into their own little private room no more. And surely they wouldn't come in here around my white customers. Oh, once or twice, a couple of them got up the nerve to try it, but from the way my white customers looked at them and from the way I served them, shoving them their drinks and slopping some of it on the bar, they soon found out they wasn't welcome. So they quit trying to desegregate the white drinking room and just bought their bottle out of the store and went outside or in their cars or took the bottle back home to drink it. You see, this here ain't no Marriott and it ain't no Holiday Inn either. Not yet. And I doubt if it ever will be. This here ain't nothing but a little old bit, little bitty old combination grocery store and liquor store setting in the fork of a road between a bayou and a river where you got a room for white customers and another little private room for black customers. And that's all there is to it. When they refused some 15, 17 years ago to to come into their own little bitty room, why, I just sold them their bottle from behind the counter in the grocery store and let them take it on the outside or anywhere else they wanted to drink it, but didn't make didn't make me no never mind long as they wasn't in here bumping up against my white customers. You can call me anything you want, but that's how things are in little places like this. This ain't no Baton Rouge, and it ain't no New Orleans, and it ain't no Marriott, and it ain't no Holiday Inn. Not yet. And God, I doubt if it ever will be. Say what you want. I don't care. But he still looks that way toward the nigger room each day when he comes in for his two bourbons on the rocks. Like I said, the place the place been closed down these past 15, maybe even 17 years, and I'm using the room now for my stock room. But he still looks there when he's drinking. Anything could be on television, football, baseball, basketball, Jap volleyball, Chinaman ping pong, niggers and white boys running all over the place, nigger fags and white fags throwing little white pom-pom girls up in the air, anything. Still, he looks toward that door. I wonder if he's hearing ghosts in there. I wonder if he's hearing singing coming out of there. Sometimes when I'm here by myself, I cock my ear that way to listen, but I never hear nothing. A rat maybe trying to get into one of them croaker sacks or one of them bags I got stacked in there, but that's about all. You know, I sympathize with him because, you see, he never wanted none of this. 
never wanted to be responsible for name and land. They dropped it on him, left it on him. That's why he drinks the way he does and let that niece of his run the place. Let her have it. He don't care. Don't care if it go to hell. He wanted to go to hell, to hell with it. He go by the name because they give him that name. He live on the land because they left it there, but he don't give a damn for it. That's why he drinks the way he does. Get up and drink. Take a little nap. Wake up and drink some more. Take another little nap. Wake up and come here. Like clockwork. Don't give a damn for nothing. Women or nothing. Pussy or nothing. Politics or nothing. Nigger or nothing. Buy them a drink because Nate or Dan or brother, one of them, left it in a will to buy it. But he don't give a damn, and I don't blame him. Things just too complicated. I reckon for people like him, they have always been complicated. Protecting name and land is just too much for most people. Feeling guilty about this, guilty about that. It wasn't his doing. He came here and found it, and they died and left it on him. You know, something just struck me. Maybe that's what he's doing when he looks at that door, cussing them. No, not the niggers who used to be in there singing. The ones who brought them here. The ones who built that room. Yes, that just right at this moment struck me. He's cussing them out when he's standing there gazing at that door. Sometimes he even missed his mouth with that glass for looking at that door. I had two other customers in the bar when he came in, and me and one of the customers had been talking about the killing. When Jack came in the door, I nodded to my customer to lower his voice. We weren't supposed to know about it yet. But something like that can't stay hidden long in a place like this. When that nigger Charlie didn't show up at the mill with them two trailers of cane at 1.30 like he was supposed to, Robert Giroux, foreman there at Morgan, waited till around 2.15 before he called to find out what was the matter. Wait, wait, hold it. Let me tell you how that worked now. Bo delivered six trailers of cane to the mill six days a week during grinding, or should I say his nigger Charlie did. The first load, two trailers each time, came in around 9, 9.30. The second load was ready by noon, but Bo always let Charlie eat dinner before delivering it. Then, after he had eaten, he would then get the second load of the two trailers to the mill by 1.30, quarter to two, depending on traffic from the other trucks and tractors, of course. After delivering that load, then he would go back for the third load, which would which he would deliver around 4, maybe 4.30, depending on the traffic again. So when Robert didn't see that middle load come in, that 1.30 quarter to 2 load, he waited till 2.15, 2.30. Then he called Fix's house to ask why. That's when he told him what had happened. Robert came over to the store around 3 o'clock and told me, after he had himself a couple of beers, he left for the mill again. For the rest of the day, I waited and waited for the action. Me and one of my customers got to talking about it, and he told me where he came from. He was from Mississippi. He said folks there know how to take care of little matters like these. I told him we had some folks right here in St. Raphael Parish who wasn't too bad at it either. I had another customer at the bar, a sallow, thoughtful-looking fellow, but he stayed quiet, even stood a good distance away from me and the fellow from Mississippi. Didn't make me know never mind, and didn't seem to worry the Mississippi fellow either. We just went right on talking like he wasn't even there. When I saw Jack coming in, I nodded to my Mississippi customer to lower his voice. How are you, Jack? 
I said. He nodded, didn't say anything, just went over to the corner, facing the door to the old nigger room. I served him his first drink, Jack Daniels on the rocks. I could see he wasn't in no mood for talking, so I went back to my Mississippi customer. Got to move on, he said, having supper with some of the boys in town. You sure you don't want to put a little bit of a bet on the game? Don't like to take money from a new customer, I said. He laughed, a pleasant fellow. Better pray nothing happened to salt or pepper, he said. Old Miss would run the draws off him. He finished his drink and left me 50 cents tip. Thanks, I said. Can't wish you good luck, because you know who I'm pulling for. He laughed and went out. A nice fellow, a real nice fellow. It was quiet after he had gone. Jack had nothing to say, and the other fellow had even less than that to talk about. I was sure he was educated, always thinking. When he needed a drink, he just nodded toward his glass, never saying, Say, bartender, or anything like that. Just a little nod toward his empty glass. After I served him, he would nod again, never a word. Damn if I didn't think he was in a morgue instead of a bar went on like that 15-20 minutes till Robert came in again. I was so glad to see him, I almost offered him a free beer. Heard about Bo? He asked. Now, Robert knew Jack was in there. He had already seen Jack's car before the door, and he knew Jack came to my place around this time every day, God send. But I wasn't supposed to know what had happened. Not yet. What about Bo? I said. Got himself killed, Robert said. Oh, hello, Jack, he said to Marshall. Marshall nodded, didn't say anything. Bo killed, I said. How did it happen? Where? When? I'm a pretty good actor when I want to be. On that plantation, Robert said, glancing at Jack. Bring me a miller, he said to me. Jack, that's true, I asked Marshall. He nodded. I got the miller for Robert. Me and Robert looked at each other. He was a pretty good actor himself there. Murder? I asked Robert. Mapes over there now questioning niggers, Robert said. Hilly told me. Boy, 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 we haven't had a good stringing in these parts in quite a while, I said. We'll have one now if you know fix. That kind of thing is over with, the quiet customer said. I almost jumped. It was like as if a dead man had just spoke. That was the most he had said since ordering his first drink. Me and Robert looked down the bar at him, but didn't answer him. Jack never looked up from his drink. When did it happen? I asked Robert. Dinner time, Robert said. And Fix ain't here yet? Not yet, Robert said. He'll be here, I said. You can bet your boots old Fix will ride before this night is over with. That kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. The quiet customer said again. He didn't look at us when he spoke. He was looking in the mirror behind the bar. Then he turned to Jack. Don't you agree, mister? That kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. Jack didn't look at him for a while. Then he looked at him a long time before answering. He didn't like for anybody to ask him a question uninvited. I don't think we've progressed enough. I don't think we've progressed that much yet he said, looking at the door, not at the customer. I wondered if he heard ghosts singing in there. I was hoping we had progressed some, the quiet customer said quietly. 
He looked at Jack a long time. Jack, in his neat gray suit, white shirt and tie, looked like an intelligent man, the kind of man another man could have an intelligent conversation with. But Jack wasn't interested. He didn't, he didn't look at the customer when he answered him, and he surely wasn't looking at him now. He was looking down at his drink. Robert was drinking a Miller's beer, a good heavy man's with from Jack Marshall. Nobody got much closer, much closer than that to Jack unless it was Felix Morgan, no matter how crowded the place got. Though he came here to drink, sometimes even bought around, he would let you know he was not one of your crowd. Felix Morgan was. The Morgan family owned the joining plantation and the sugar mill where most of the cane in this parish was ground. I had just poured Jack his second drink when Luke Will, Shart Thompson, Henry Tobias, Alcee Boudreaux, and that boy Leroy Hall came in. They came in the place once or twice a week. I had kind of expected to see them tonight, and still I had kind of not expected to see them so soon again since I had just seen Luke Will, Sharp Thompson, and Bo together the night before. So I was a little surprised, but maybe not too surprised, not after what had happened. Gentlemen, Luke said in that big, hoarse voice he's got there. Luke Will and Sharp Thompson were truck drivers for the Dixie Gravel Cement and Dirt Company of Bayonne. The other three worked with them for the same company. On the side, they did other little jobs to keep things running smoothly in the parish, like turning over nigger school buses, throwing a few snakes into nigger churches during prayer meetings, or running niggers out of what used to be all white motels and restaurants. Some people say they got paid as much for these little civic duties as they did at the dirt plant. But nobody knew where the money was coming from, or if they did know, they knew better than to go blabbing about it. Boys... I said, nice day, isn't it? They pushed their way up to the bar. They stood at the opposite end of the bar from Jack Marshall. Robert and the other customer was between them and Jack. Jack was looking down at his drink. If he raised his head, he would see Luke Will, not the door, to the old nigger room. Luke Will was about the same size as the door. Give us a bottle, T-Jack, Luke Will said. Bring some Cokes. No beer tonight, boys? I asked. Just bring a bottle, Luke Will said, and looked down the bar at Jack. Mr. Marshall, how are you? He said. Jack Marshall looked toward Luke Will and nodded. Had some trouble, I hear, Luke Will said. I didn't have any, Jack said, not looking at him, just looking that way. That thing with Bo, Luke Will said. I heard he got himself killed. Jack said with no more feeling than if somebody had told him a rat was dead. One of your niggers did it, Mr. Marshall, Luke Will said. Jack Marshall looked at him now. He wasn't just looking in that direction. He was looking straight at him. I have no niggers, he said. Never had any niggers. Never wanted any niggers. Never will have any niggers. They belong to her. Where is Candy? Luke Will asked. In the quarters, I should think protecting her niggers? I have no idea what she's doing. Is Mape still down there playing detective? From what I hear he is, Jack said. Now if you don't mind, I would like to finish my drink. Another second of your time, Mr. Marshall, Luke Will said. Jack Marshall had already looked down. Since he couldn't see the door anymore, he thought he might as well look down at his glass. 
He didn't raise his head. I reckon he had already talked to Will and his kind more than he had ever done at any one time before. I started to tell Luke Will to lay off, but then I said to myself, oh, what the hell, Jack Marshall don't own my place, I do, and the only reason he comes here is it's the nearest saloon to his fancy house there on the river. Jack looked up. I think Mapes needs help, Luke Will said. Jack looked at him, but with no more feeling than if he was looking at a china ball tree or a fence post. He showed more concern looking at that door to the nigger room than he did looking at the looking at a live Luke Will. I hope you wouldn't mind, Luke Will said. Are you suggesting I go down there and help him? Jack asked. Not exactly, Luke Will said. What are you suggesting? Jack asked. Luke Will and his boys, all five of them, looked at Jack. We all knowed what Luke Will was suggesting. Jack did too. Luke Will didn't say any more. Nobody did. And I went on serving. I set a bottle of old crow, glasses, cokes, and a bowl of ice at the bar. Luke Will and his boys started digging their hands into the ice bowl and pushing their drinks and pouring their own drinks. I glanced into the ice bowl and I could see dirt and grit settled at the bottom. A couple of these boys had not washed their hands since leaving work. Law seems to work slow at times the quiet customer said quietly but it's still the best thing we have was it Churchill who said that he took out a pipe you gentlemen don't mind do you nobody answered him he lit the pipe Luke Will turned up the glass and drank and half the drink was gone when he turned it up again everything was gone except the ice and he fixed himself another drink the old man ain't showing up he said what I said. His all-American son talked him out of it. Luke Will said, That's a lie, I said. Luke Will and his boys looked at me all at the same time. What's that you said, T-Jack? Luke Will asked. I I didn't mean it, I said. God in heaven knows I didn't mean that. Just slipped out. Just slipped out. Hearing that fix wasn't coming here tonight. Just, Just slipped out. Be careful, T-Jack. My fuse is short, Luke Will said. I can see why, I said. I can see why. Listen, why don't you boys just have that bottle on me? Show you where my heart at. Don't have to pay me a penny. Have it on me, all right? They all said all right, and I felt a little better. I had thought about that Little League baseball bat under the bar. I knew I couldn't do much with it against all five of them, but you got to use what you got. I think it's the right thing to do. The man with the pipe said. Now, why did he have to go and open his mouth just when things were settling down? He didn't even know these boys. I knew them, and he could see they were ready to jump across that bar on me. And what chance would he have? They would lynch him like they would a nigger. That's what. What's that you said, mister? Luke Will asked him. Let the law handle this, the pipe man said, not even looking at Luke Will. Say, where are you from, mister? Leroy asked. Not one of them New York Yankee NAPC Jews, are you? The fellow took the pipe from his mouth and looked at Leroy. Leroy was no more than 17, 18 at the most. I wasn't supposed to let him drink in here, but I wasn't no fool, not with that crowd. Texas, the pipe man said. Teaching at USL Lafayette. What you teaching there, nigger study? Leroy asked. I teach black writing, among other things, the man from USL said. 
He held the stem of his pipe against the corner of his mouth while he looked at Leroy. Looked like he was trying to figure out what Leroy was. You know how you look at a headless and gutted animal in a butcher shop and for a while you don't know exactly what it is? Well, that's the way that school teaching fellow was looking at Leroy. Aren't you a little late for class? Leroy asked him. None on Friday nights, the fellow said. You must have one. Think now, Leroy said. The pipe man thought for a couple of seconds, then he shook his head. Nope, none that I can recall, he said. Then why don't you just go on back to Lafayette and start up one, Leroy said, stepping a little closer to the fellow from USL. Now, now, Leroy, I said, calm down, calm down. Sure, Leroy said, looking at the fellow. Sure. He finished his drink and went back and fixed up another one. I looked at that pipe fellow from USL. I hate putting a white man out of my place, but I sure wish that fellow would just go on home. So Fix is leaving it up to Mapes, huh? Robert asked Luke Will. He raised the empty bottle for me to bring him another Miller. It's not him. Luke Will said to Robert, it's that all-American fart and that hog-gut salesman there in Bayonne. They the ones talked him out of it. He wanted to come, but he wouldn't come without them. I left him there crying. My God, I said. I served Robert and collected my money. What is this world coming to? I said. What in the world is this world coming to? Jack finished his drink and set the glass on the bar. Good night he said, moving out of the corner. Leaving us, Jack? Yes. Jack had to pass by Robert and that fellow from USL to reach the door, and that school teaching fellow turned from the bar to look at him. Sir, he said, don't you own that place? Jack stopped and looked at the fellow. He didn't like for strangers to speak to him unless he spoke first. What place? he asked. Where Bo was killed. I own a third of it, Jack said. Don't you think you ought to do something? The law is down there, Jack said. That's what they pay him for. I mean something else, the man from USL said. What? Jack said. That fellow just looked at Jack. Jack looked right back at him, but not showing a thing in his face. Sir, you seem like a you seem like an intelligent man, that fellow said. Sure, Jack said. So what? You must care something for the place, for the people who live there. They live pretty well, Jack said. They don't pay rent or anything. And what's happening here now? That doesn't matter. I don't see anything happening, Jack said. Do you? That fellow just looked at Jack. He couldn't believe Jack, but he didn't know Jack either. In the end, it's people like us, you and I, who pay for this. Sure, Jack said. But I've been paying my share 70 years already. How long you been paying yours? The debt is never finished as long as we stand for this, the teacher said. Jack grunted. No change, though. No change in his face at all. If you can't take it here, you better get on back to Texas, he said, and went out. He backed the car from in front of the door and drove on up the river. The shadows from the trees on the riverbanks covered everything now. Soon it would be dark, and Luke Will and his boys were putting that liquor away faster and faster. He sure cooked your goose, Leroy told the fellow from USL. The teacher didn't look at Leroy. He was looking in the mirror behind the bar. 
Leroy was getting drunk. His young, childish, childish face had turned beet red. His blue eyes had gotten bluer. His small, reddish lips should have been on a girl, not a man. Bring us another bottle there, T-Jack, Luke Will said. Sure, boy, sure, I said. Remember now, the first one was on me. The way I said first, I wanted them to know that this one was not on me. I didn't think I had insulted him two bottles worth when I called him a liar. I set up the bar and they dug in. I took a quick little peek into the ice bowl again. Yep, dirt and grit covered the bottom. Some of these boys hadn't seen a wash basin in weeks. You down there, Luke Will said to the teacher from USL. Don't you think you ought to get moving? I was just thinking about it, the fellow said. Don't think, Luke Will said. Move it. The fellow knocked some ashes out of his pipe into the palm of his hand. Then he dumped the ashes into the little tin ashtray I had on the bar. You boys think you're doing the right thing, taking the law in your own hands? You leaving or you need some escorting? Luke Will asked him. I'm leaving, the teacher said, but I will leave with these parting words. Don't do it for the sake of the South, for salt and pepper. Don't do it. Sharp, you and Henry show this gentleman to his car, Luke Will said. If he don't have one, start him walking toward Lafayette. Luke, please, I said. He's a white man. That can make trouble. If he's a white man, let him act like one, Luke Will said. Sharp, you and Henry? Sharp Thompson and Henry Tobias started toward the teacher from USL. The teacher raised his hands quick. I'm leaving, he said. You better go straight to Lafayette, too. Luke Will said. I know how to find you at that schoolhouse. I cross that Atchafalaya Basin every day. The teacher looked at Robert, but Robert looked down at his bottle of beer. The teacher looked at me, but he could see I wasn't on his side either. I wasn't against him, but he was a stranger here, and these were my regular customers, and I wasn't no fool either. I didn't want to come in here one day and find a bunch of rattlesnakes and water moccasins crawling all over the place. That poor fellow couldn't find anybody to go along with him, and he nodded to himself and went out. You never in all your born days seen a sadder-looking figure. Fellow acted like he carried the whole world on his shoulders all by himself. You ought to mind who you let come in your place, T-Jack, Luke Will said to me. How can you tell a book by the cover? I said. He looked all right when he first came in, a little on the weak, worrying side, but he looked all right. Be more careful in the future, Luke Will said. Sure, I said. You know me. Anything to please my regular customers. One more and I'm ready to kick me some ass, Leroy said, fixing another drink. Shit, I can't wait. Let's go kick some ass. Take it easy, boy, Luke Will said. You'll get your chance. I close at 10 on Fridays, boys, I said. The old lady, you know. Tonight, you'll stay open as long as we want you to. Luke Will said. Sure, boy, sure, I said. I thought about all of them rattlesnakes and moccasins crawling all over the place. Anything to please my regular customers. I looked across the bar at Robert. He was just finishing his beer. He had already glanced over his shoulder toward the door. Like another one? I asked him. I wanted him to stay there with me. Lord, I needed him to stay there with me. On the house this time? I said. On the house? No, I'm going home. Robert said. I haven't been here at all today. Good night. It's on the house, I said. Any kind you like. Two of any brand. 
He went out. I heard him get in his car and drive away. I didn't look around at Luke Will and his boys. I faced the empty end of the bar, scared and feeling all alone. Nobody said anything. I could feel they was enjoying my fear. Look at him, look at him, I heard Leroy saying, shaking there like a scared old nigger. How you know, now you know how an old nigger feel. Look at him, look at him. I wouldn't look around, so he moved down the bar to face me. He started pointing his finger and laughing at me. He was drunk now, drunk as he could be, and his soft girlish face and little red girlish lips made him look like a freak I had once seen at a carnival show. Let's finish this bottle and get out of here, Luke Will said. That brings us to the end of this segment. Thank you so much for listening here at Carla Reads the Classics. I hope you enjoyed the reading. Until next time.